I'm changing it up on you. We got to keep you guessing, right? We stand here today in victory. And so I want you to turn and greet your neighbor with a holy high five because we have overcome in victory. Thank you. Now you can be seated. You take the victory lap, and now you can rest and relax. Take a short nap. There's not going to be a whole lot going on up here, so you don't have to worry about it. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to you to Faith Covenant Church this morning. This is the first Sunday of our fall kickoff month here in September, where we're going to be exploring some of the key themes of our emerging mission and vision as a church. For those of you who've been around here for a while, you know that we've had a strategic planning team that's been working and strategizing and praying and planning for about six months now. And we have been reminded of how important it is as we think about the future of our church and how God may want to grow Faith Covenant Church for us to be a warm and a friendly church. That's why holy high fives are wonderful, turning and greeting your neighbor, but not just in here, but out there. When you see somebody that you haven't met yet, to, to go up and introduce yourself and say, you might not be new to the church here, but, but you're new to me. And, and we need to be good at greeting and welcoming one another. One of the things that we've been learning is that almost every church out there believes that they're a warm and friendly church, right? I mean, every church that you go to, the people who go to that church believe they're a warm and friendly church. And for the most part, if you, if you dig a little deeper, that statement is true for the people who are already part of the church, because they're already embedded in community. They know people. They have friends on Sunday morning. But what we don't realize is the more comfortable we get with one another, the easier it is for the new person, the guest, to come and feel like, wow, these people are really warm and friendly with each other, but, but not so much with me. And how do, I, how do I break into that warmth? How do I get into that friendliness? How do I connect in community? And the reality is that unless we are very intentional as a church on making sure that we're paying attention to the new person in our midst, it's very easy for us to just go right to the people that we're familiar with, pick up the conversation that we had last Sunday, and just carry on not realizing that there's a person who's desperately looking to see if we're willing to invite them into community as well. Now, I'd like to suggest that I believe At Faith Covenant Church, we are a warm and friendly church. We do a pretty good job. Now, we can always do better, right? But we do a pretty good job of welcoming those new people in our midst. But we're also learning that just welcoming somebody in a friendly way on Sunday morning isn't the the whole piece of welcoming. The, the, The next step is getting them to connect into relationship and community beyond just the Sunday morning experience. And we want to be able to begin to ensure that we can do whatever we can as a church to help facilitate that process for new people who come to get connected in community, to find relationship, to be a part of the body of Christ. And so connecting them in community becomes a part of our strategy for how we not only welcome new people, but we move them into a position of being able to be discipled, to grow in their faith, and to ultimately discover a a call to serve God with their lives. 
The more the church grows, we recognize the harder it is to ensure that every new guest is greeted and welcomed in this kind of way. And we've been learning more ways that we might begin to do that more effectively. At every point on the journey, what we're learning we want to be paying attention to is, does each person understand what the next step is that they can take if they're ready to go further and deeper into community? And we're going to share one little piece of what the team has kind of come up with as a part of this strategy this morning. You've already kind of been introduced to it. First of all, what you need to do is everybody needs to grab the Connect card in the pew in front of you. Everybody grab a Connect card right now. Hold it up. I want to see it. Everybody has one in their hands. Okay, awesome. We're going to play a little bit of a game today, all right? All of you this morning are first-time guests to Faith Covenant Church. I want to welcome you to Faith Covenant Church this morning. We would love to connect with you this morning. And one of the ways that you can help us do that is you can put your name on this card. Now, if you're a regular attender here, you don't have to fill the whole card out. Put your name on the card. And after the service, take it up to our Welcome Center in the lobby. And one of our lovely and talented Welcome Center hosts has a special gift for you this morning. Now, if you're... uh, almost 50 like me or over, uh, Dick, we might not know what a pop socket is, right? <laughs> but if you're younger, you may think, wow, that's a, that's a pretty good gift. We have a pop socket to give for you today. Pop socket. <laughs> and if you can't use one, there's lots of young people in your life we're guessing that you could use it as a wonderful gift to give away to somebody. But we, we want you to go. And as you go, one of the things that you're going to discover at the Welcome Center is what is your next step after this first step. So this is your first step, but when you go to the Welcome Center, you're going to be introduced to what your next step is for how you can get more involved in Faith Covenant Church during this kickoff month, okay? So put your name on the card. You don't have to fill the whole thing out if we already have your information. Turn it in, and we have a special gift for you this morning. Now, if you are a first-time guest this morning, this is especially true for you. We are glad that you're here. And we do want to connect with you. And as I, we hope that you hear in this message this morning and with this gift that we have for you, our desire to really enfold you into relationship. We want to get to know who you are, what brings you out this morning, and we would love to learn how we might be able to be community together. This is a great time to get connected at Faith Covenant Church. Over the next three weeks, we're going to begin sharing the vision we believe God is giving us for the future of life and ministry here at the church. One second. It's a little dry these days, right? Not a lot of rain. We've had some rain. That's been good. On Sunday mornings, we're going to be trying to lay a little bit of the biblical foundation for the key elements of our vision and where we see God leading us. And then on Sunday night, September 24th, we're going to be hosting what we're calling our Faith Cove Vision Launch Party, where we'll be revealing the full details of all of the results of our strategic planning team and how you can get involved in the conversation. We want you to be clear that this isn't a done deal. We're, we're coming to share the results of the strategic planning team, and we want your feedback. We want your input. Ultimately, our goal through this fall season is to have our whole congregation be able to affirm and ultimately confirm that we have heard from God, that we are setting our sights in the right direction, and that we are ready to move forward together as a church. Now, this word together is going to be very important for us in the season ahead. It's going to be a key word that keeps us on track with having our hearts and our minds in the right place. We've been talking a lot here about that African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, 
go together, right? We want to be a church that goes far for the kingdom of God. We want to be a church that goes far into the 21st century. We want a church that has all of our people go far into their spiritual lives to go deeper in Christ and to go further in mission. And we recognize if we're going to do that and do that well, we need to do it together. We have been and we're continuing to work hard on this faith journey that, that we're walking together with Christ. And because of this, we've taken time to listen to one another. Uh, if you've been here for several years, you know that we went through the, the listening campaign where we actually had uh, conversations about what are our core values and what do we really believe is most important for us as a church. And we identified some of those heartbeat things for us as a faith community that we are firmly Bible-based and Christ-centered as a church. Uh, we, we desire to be truly welcoming, but not just welcoming to new people, but welcoming of one another to become a truly intergenerational church. We, we want to be a church that truly cares for people's needs and understands what they're going through and, and has real resources and real relationships to come around one another. We want to be a church that truly develops a life-transforming walk with Jesus in the lives of everybody who comes to church here. And we want to be a church that continues to reach out in mission, both locally and around the world. Now, we've also engaged in, with our larger tribe that we call the Evangelical Covenant Church to walk through what was called the Vitality Pathway together, where we reviewed our history as a 140-year-old historic church. And we recognized that, that this church began as a mission outpost in the Northwest Territories in 1877 before Washington was even a state. This church began with its DNA to be an outreach missional outpost to, to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in the Northwest Territories. We learned that, that through the challenges and the risks of navigating change, that, that the challenge of change is, is that we, we have to accept that it happens, right? It's not if, but when change happens. Change is not optional, it's inevitable. And the risk of change is that not that it, uh, we, we, we will, the risk is that we will resist change. And, and, and in so doing, we may actually find ourselves resisting the way God is wanting to lead us into ministry and life in this new season together. And the final goal of the Vitality Pathway was to develop a specific strategy and a plan for how to live into the call that we believe God is leading us to as a church. So this fall, we're going to be get to engaging together around the plan that is emerging and seeking your affirmation of the plan, ultimately our hope is that we will be able to confirm together as a whole congregation that we really are seeking Christ's priorities in the world and that we're pursuing his vision and mission for our church. So over the next three weeks, our goal is to lay out this biblical foundation as for the vision. And in many ways, it's going to be kind of like going back to the basics. It's, for a lot of you, it's not going to be anything new. It's going to be reviewing the fundamentals. How many of you have grown up playing sports, right? If you want to get good at sports, what does every coach tell you you've got to do and you've got to do well? Practice. And what do you practice? You practice the fundamentals. It's when you get really good at the basics that those basics become the building blocks to excel in whatever sport you're trying to achieve. Or the same is true for music or art or any endeavor that we pursue. You got to get good at the fundamentals before you can excel in what you're trying to accomplish. And so in some ways, this series is going to be taking us back to the basics, 
reminding ourselves of the fundamentals so that we can learn how to get really good at being the church that God has called us to be. Now, you've already been exposed to uh, the vision statement that our, t- our planning team came up with. Uh, and that vision statement is essentially what's on the f- cover of your bulletin, and we've had it on the screens when we can get those back up. I'm sure we will. Real life together, connecting, growing, and serving. Real life together, connecting, growing, and serving. In this season ahead, We believe God is calling us to pursue life and ministry in a way that is both authentic to our heritage as a historic church in the Northwest Territories, but is also authentic to our humanity. And what I mean by authentic to our humanity is that we as Christians recognize that we are all sinners, saved by grace only through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? See, our desire to be authentic both to our heritage as a historic church as well as to our humanity as real people who live real lives in the real world leads us to pursue a type of church experience that could be described as real life together. What do we mean by this phrase, real life together, from a biblical perspective? I'd like to suggest to you three things is that when we say real life together, what we mean is that we are real people who serve a real God, or or who are, yeah, serving a real God who has given us a real mission to fulfill. Let me say that one more time. We are real people who serve a real God who has given us a real mission to fulfill. And this morning, what I'd like to do is just unpack that for us a little bit more. And in the next two weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about this pathway that we see uh, emerging that could be described by those three words, connecting, growing, and serving. So first of all, real people. See, we recognize that the Christian life isn't uh, about how good we are. It's about how good God is, right? The Christian life isn't about how good we are. It's about how good God is. It's God's goodness in us that's demonstrated in the love of Christ that allows us to imagine an experience of church where not only can we be real and authentic with one another in the midst of our own brokenness and our sinfulness, our mistakes and our shortcomings, we are all broken people in need of God's mercy and grace, right? And and if we can be real with each other in that, then we can begin to have the kind of a community where people who are struggling with brokenness and and, 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 uh, sin and lost places in their lives can feel welcomed into a place without being prejudged or looked down upon. We don't want to be a place that has that kind of a sense of a holier-than-thou attitude, right? We can be real people, not only with each other, but then with our friends and our neighbors as we seek to bless them in our relationships and our lives. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, remind us, for it is by grace you have been saved. It is through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork or God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. See, we don't ask people to be perfect before they can come to Faith Covenant Church and be a part of our community, do we? In fact, you could almost say that at Faith Covenant Church, there are no perfect people allowed. (laughs) Because there are no perfect people, right? If you think you're perfect, then, then you might have some work to do on that because we know that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the grace of God and we all make mistakes. 
We're all broken people that God is putting back together. We simply invite people to experience Jesus and to go on this journey of faith together as we follow him. For us at Faith Covenant Church, that journey of faith means that we serve a real God. That's the second one. We are real people, but we also serve a real God. The Christian life is not a philosophy. It's not an ideal. It's not a moral code. It's not a self-help program with 10 easy steps to a happy life. Though it may include some elements of these things, we believe that Jesus really lived, that he really died on the cross, and that he really rose again from the dead. Amen? We believe that Jesus really lived, he really died on the cross, and he really rose again from the dead. If that is true, if that is what we believe, then we love and serve a God who is alive and well, and through his Holy Spirit is with us in this moment today. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what we believe. And if this is the God that we believe in, then his claim on our lives is total and complete. But rather than coming to him groveling in shame, we come thankful because of the mercy and the grace that he's given. And we recognize that in Christ, God has made a way for him to meet our greatest need and our deepest longings. Too often, we're we're tempted by the world to go after those in so many other ways. But the Bible says that our greatest need and our deepest longings are found in relationship with the God who created us, who loves us, and who gave his son as a sacrifice so that we could be brought back into relationship with himself. 1 John 4.10 and through 12 says, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, loved ones, you could say, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We are real people and we serve a real God. See, because of this, we believe that Jesus not only reveals God to us, but that we have a real relationship with a living God who is present and active in our lives and in the world today. He is the Lord, the Bible says, and our greatest needs and our deepest longings are found only in him. And because of this gift of God's love and grace in our lives, our church is all about serving him, right? It's all about bringing glory to him and not to ourselves. And what this means then is that in Christ, God has given us a real mission to fulfill. See, our mission as a church is not whatever we want to come up with, whatever we think it is. It's not the latest church growth strategy, the latest trend in trying to grow a church, right? We believe because we are real people who serve a real God, God has given us a real mission to fulfill. And it's not up to us to choose whether or not we should fulfill it. We believe that the mission of the church is very clear. What it looks like for us in our day, in our place, in our time, the vision of how we imagine doing church might be different for us, but the core mission of the church, of every church, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow until Christ returns. The way we've talked about the mission of the church, going back to the vitality pathway, is that healthy, vital churches are are, are both healthy and missional. And by healthy, we mean pursuing Christ. 
Our priority is laser focused on following Christ. He is the Lord. He is our Savior, and we are following him. And by missional, we mean that we are laser focused on pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. It's not Kurt's priorities. It's not Dick's priorities. It's not the leadership team's priorities. It's not your priorities. We together, again, there's that word, together are laser focused on Christ's priorities in the world, and his priorities give us that filter for making those decisions about what should we be investing our time, talent, and treasure on, not only in our individual lives, but as a faith community. Biblically, we learned that the Christian life always has two aspects that work in concert with one another, right? You think about that? Two aspects, the vertical and the horizontal, right? The Christian life always has the vertical aspect. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus, when asked, said that this was the greatest commandment in Mark 12, 29 to 31. The most important commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. See, it's when we begin to learn and understand that the vertical relationship that we are invited to experience with God in our lives through this gift that Christ has given us is lived out through all of the horizontal relationships we have in our lives, meaning our families, our church members, the people we work with, the people we walk through the grocery store with, the people we meet at our students' you know, sporting events. All of those relationships become open to a lifestyle of what Paul calls worship. See, we don't come to worship God for one hour on Sunday morning. We come together to worship God for an hour on Sunday morning, but we're invited individually to worship God every moment of every day, 24-7. See, the Christian life is about a worship lifestyle where everything that we do becomes about sacrificing our lives for the priorities of Christ in the world. Amen? That's hard to do, though, isn't it? I mean, that kind of total commitment and, 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 and totally selling out for Jesus is tough. How many of you have ever seen somebody who just, I mean, they are just sold out. I mean, they're inspiring, right? And they're kind of intimidating, but they're inspiring too because somehow they've, they've found that, that, that magic place where they just have totally let go of their own priorities, their own needs, their own expectation for glory or, 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 or whatever it is, and they're just sold out for Jesus. And, and they are the freest, most joy-filled, most energetic people. Now, they might not be extroverted, but, but there's, a, there's a spirit about them that is just so attractive, right? It makes you wonder, how, how did they get there? How do I get more of that? See, this twin reality of the vertical and the horizontal relationship in our lives is one that we constantly need to be paying attention to and aware of because too often our temptation is to separate those two. We have our vertical relationship with God over here, and we might go to church on Sunday morning. We might be in a small group or a Bible study, and we have a couple hours there. Uh, But the rest of the week is our time, right? The rest of the week, we live for ourselves. The rest of the week, we we don't even think about God until we come back into that context again. We're like, oh, yeah, this God thing is important to me as well. But what happens is we, we begin to live separated lives. And, and, and what happens is when people begin to know us and get to see how we're living, they, they, they see that this Christianity thing doesn't always make sense to them because they don't see how it fits into the overall picture of what a life can look like. Which ultimately leads us to the Great Commission, right? 
Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them. This is after the resurrection, right? He rose from the dead and he comes and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you see in here the vertical and the horizontal as well? You think about it. When we are invited to go and make disciples, the first step of becoming a disciple is that someone experiences this new vertical relationship with God, right? This symbolized by the, the event of baptism, a public testimony that we have accepted Christ as our Lord and our Savior. We've been born into God's family. The vertical relationship has been established, but does our responsibility as a church end there? No, it goes on to say, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, right? And we've asked this question before here at Faith Covenant. How many of you are currently obeying everything that Jesus has commanded? I'll put my hand down. You see, evangelism is the first step that we have to be engaged in. We've got to be focusing on how do we connect with the world out there in a way that we're building bridges of relationship so that we're sharing the good news and people at least have the opportunity to experience relationship with Jesus Christ, to establish that vertical connection to God, to be reunited and reconciled with the God who created them. But then we have to take responsibility for them like parents of young children to nurture them in the faith, to teach them and to help them grow to maturity so that then they can turn around and do the same thing with the next generation of believers, right? You see, together we function more like a family than like an organization. We, we are not a purveyor of religious goods and services in the religious marketplace, right? We are a spiritual family that is called to, to have children and to raise those children in the faith, spiritually speaking, so that they can grow to become mature people in Christ and they can turn around and do the same thing as well. I'd like to suggest that too often we treat the church more like a business and less like a spiritual family. But see, neither of these things can we do in our own strength, right? How many of you can convert somebody to Christ? <laughs> the Bible says it's not our job. You know, that's God's job. God draws people through his spirit. God draws people to himself. Our job is to simply help facilitate the, the process. In, in our own strength, there's no way that we can do it. That's why Jesus' final words in this passage are such an important piece of all of these things as we move forward together. And surely I am with you always, he says, even to the very end of the age. See, when we think about a vision for our church being the pursuit of real life together, we're acknowledging these core biblical foundations that remind us that it's not about how good we are. It's all about how good God is. It's about God's goodness in us that's demonstrated in our love of Christ first and foremost, and then our love for one another, where we can not only be real and authentic in our own lives, but we can develop real and authentic relationships with people who don't know Jesus, who are far from God, who are the people that God would call us to love and to serve in his name. This was Jesus' vision for his church. Not that we do it in our own strength, but that the Christian life is lived out out of the overflow of his spirit. One last text for us this morning, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, 
there should be no question about what our mission is, right? I mean, is it even, is it, is it even a, a possibility that we don't know what God has called us to be and to do as Christians who are followers of Jesus Christ in the 21st century? Our mission is clear. The question is, do we have the courage to step into it? Do we have the courage to be intentional? Do we have the courage to, to make specific plans for how are we going to be Christ's church in our community in the season ahead? See, the intersection between our heritage as a church and our humanity as real fallen, broken people is this desire to learn how to live real life together well. And it leads us to see these three aspects of our shared life together that will guide and inform us as we go forward. And we're going to spend the next couple weeks looking at connecting, growing, and serving. And if uh, a little teaser, if you think about each one of those, each one of them has a vertical and a horizontal aspect to it. We connect with God and we connect with each other. We grow in God and we grow in our relationships with each other. We serve God by serving others and serving the world around us. If you think about it, each of these pieces will have an important aspect, not only for us personally, but how we focus our time, talent, and energy as a church for the future. We're going to talk about each of these, and we're also going to be exploring that how we as a faith community can recognize that we are real people who serve a real God, who's given us a real mission to fulfill. It's my hope and it's my prayer that you and I will each have the courage to step into that vision and together discern what it is that God would have each one of us do to participate in his mission of love to the world. Would you pray with me?